This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 209. My name is Brian Vinzo Weber. Thanks for listening. This week on the podcast, we talk to a really interesting guy named George Bressler. He's worked part-time in the hospitality industry, but full-time for the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Service. After a long and distinguished career in law enforcement, he plans to retire and take up bartending full-time. Stand by for a really fascinating discussion. First, let's do a cocktail of the week. I'll often ask my guest if he or she has a suggestion for Cocktail of the Week. George really enjoys Jack Daniels on the Rocks, which is a solid choice. If you if you remember, we spoke with Jack Daniels Master Distiller Jeff Arnett a couple weeks ago on Bartender Journey Podcast number 204. Well, technically, Jack Daniels on the Rocks is not a cocktail. The definition you'll hear, uh, especially from Dale DeGroff, David Wondridge, and other uh, fine gentlemen like that, is... Uh, a cocktail is sugar, bitters, and spirits of any kind. On the other hand, it's kind of funny to think that whiskey makers or spirit producers probably don't make their product thinking, this is it, I made the perfect whiskey for making old fashions. No, no, no. They think their whiskey tastes pretty good as it is. So we'll go, we'll go a little off the deep end this week and enjoy some Jack Daniels on the rocks as our cocktail of the week. For a book of the week, I ordered this book just to make my life a little easier. You know, we do a toast every week at the very end of the show, and uh, I've been struggling to find new interesting ones recently. So I ordered this book, and it's called Toasts, Over 1,500 of the Best Toasts, Sentiments, Blessings, and Graces, compiled by Paul Dixon. I wasn't planning on using this for book of the week, but after receiving this book, I got to tell you, it's worth having around your bar or even your home bar. Mr. Dixon quotes Ralph Waldo Emerson in the introduction to this book, quote, Next to the originator of a good sentence is the first quoter of it. <laughs> I like that. Mr. Dixon goes on to say in the introduction, There are a number of old things that we are well rid of. Child labor, the Berlin Wall, scurvy, glass shampoo bottles, and way too many others to mention. But there are still others that we are foolish to let slop away. Toasting is one of the latter. All right, let's talk to George Bressler. Absolutely, I'm glad I glad I have a little bit of Jack in my, uh, you know, Walking Dead mug today with my coffee. All right, I'll join you. I'm drinking a little uh, little scotch. Mm. Well done, sir. <laughs> well, here we are with George Bressler, and uh, I'm gonna just this is the way I'm gonna introduce you is read to you read uh, the first thing you wrote to me because I thought it was really cool. Uh, okay. You said, uh, my 26 years in law enforcement is nearing an end. The proudest moments were working to improve relationships between diverse groups of people. The cocktail is known in many, the cocktail is known by many cultures for being a part of social gatherings. While I plan to step away from the th- thin blue line, I remain interested in creating an environment that brings people together. So you're interested in becoming a bartender, huh? Well, absolutely. I've had quite a bit of experience. Uh, growing up in the bars, you know, bars and law enforcement and the first responder community go hand in hand many times. You know, you could walk into a bar after a heavy shift and talk to the doctors and the nurses and the firemen and the police officers. And, you know, it, it kind of is a throwback to the old traditions of the bar pub community. I don't know if you saw on Netflix, there's a uh, movie called The Irish Pub that goes into, it's wonderful documentaries that goes into the, the, the history and the culture and, and how the pub is just that, like a, a central hub, you know, it fits for the name of how people come together. 
But uh, along the way, growing up uh, in martial arts and other things, you know, I bounced in bars and waited tables. And, you know, that's just a natural step. You know, you go in and you're bar, bar backing a little bit and the bartender's in the weeds and they're like, hey, get over here. You know, next thing you know, you're making call drinks and you're refilling the well. And, you know, it, and it's a it's a wonderful experience. And so some of the most meaningful points in my life have been at the opportunities to gather socially. So if those are the things that mean a lot to me, and now I'm in a position where perhaps I don't necessarily need to make as much as I used to, but I can go into something where I can apply the things that I've learned and work with a community, kind of a community of friends. Right. As, as I see rapidly expanding, you know, with uh, podcasts like yours and Mixology and uh, uh, Bartender's Journey, you know, when I say Bartender's Journey, I keep going back, back to that because I keep telling people, but Bartender at Large, and there's so much information and there's so many people that are so giving to say, this is where I've been, this is where we're going, why don't you come on board and do it, let's all go together. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, you know? yeah I, it really it's is. A, it's a it's a wonderful opportunity. I mean, this is where the the greatest successes in my career have been in bringing people together. Um, some of the information I shared with you uh, involved disaster management, and I know disaster scenarios. Uh, with my background as an emergency manager, you know, people can think, "Wow, this is really it can be really hard on everyone." But if you think of in a disaster, it's also this opportunity where we collectively decide, let's put aside our differences and come together in the level playing field of helping one another. And one of the things that I worked on uh, at San Diego State University, along with being law enforcement, um, you know, for uh, the U.S. Border Patrol, I've been a manager uh, uh, and emergency manager with them for a number of years, that um, I was also adjunct faculty in the Homeland Security Master's Program. There And I had the uh, pleasure and honor of working with like Dr. Eric Frost at his immersive visualization center and worked with uh, just some brilliant men and women dealing with very complex challenges. When I was wanting to work out some of the challenges, I saw local, state, federal, tribal communication issues with pandemic planning. Um, I was one of the lead authors on the National Pandemic Response Plan. Um, and looking at how do you sustain travel and trade for a globe that might be impacted by, at the time, we were looking at bird flu, which is a real nasty bug with a very high mortality rate. How do we think about sus sustainability? And the biggest challenges that I saw were communication, and, and I didn't know how would we work out some of these problems together. And from the Visualization Center there at San Diego State, um, I met uh, John Persano, then major, he's now a colonel in the Marine Corps, um, was working on an exercise called Golden Phoenix, where uh, with John, you know, we brought together over 125 different agencies, full scale, local, state, federal, tribal, all kinds of organizations. And when you do that, you build relationships. And what was exciting was, and, and the awareness of, it wasn't just coming together and having these big meetings, some of the best opportunity to come together was the time between the meetings. Right, right. Wasn't while watching the PowerPoints. Yeah, it sure. was, hey, let's go have a beer. Yeah, right. And then you sit down and you say, now this is what I'm really concerned with. This was the problem last time. How do we work on this other situation? And so, you know, anytime you can create an environment like that where something wonderful happens, and how do you work and expand on that? And so 
I continued my career and, and ended up working on my uh, dissertation for my PhD and in social networks. And how do you get people together across cultures and languages? And to put it in the bar perspective, think about it when you're behind the stick, you're behind the bar and you've got a group of people out there. Here's this metaphorical flat, you know, horizontal uh, playing field. You can have it any time. Here's the CEO. And on her right is the doctor. On his left is the lawyer. And on her right is the water, you know, and it goes on and on. And you as a bartender, you're managing this level playing field where everybody's accepted. You know, they talk about that old cheers mentality where everybody knows your name. Well, guess what? You can be new there, you know, like the old adage in a bar, you always take care of the regulars. Well, you want the newbies to become your regulars. How do you do that? How do you create those relationships? And what's really fascinating is if you watch a good bartender, they have things that took me years of schooling and they already know those things, you know, instinctively, right? Oh, exactly. Like, uh, you know, for example, uh, reflective listening. What's one of the first things you do, you know, if someone says a drink and you're not quite sure about that, you'll say, well, you know, how do you like that? How do you have that? You know, <laughs> or, or you might say, did you ask for this? Do you want that, you know, upper on the rocks? Do you want that, you know, with an olive or a twist, you know, where you then you let them know I'm hearing you, you're important to me, and I care about getting you what you're asking for. And that's kind of the same mentality I took into emergency management and into working with uh, disaster simulations. And in taking that mentality, like um, we had a big problem with the Mexicali earthquake back in uh, 2010. And um, there we had U.S. citizens in shelters in Mexico, and we had Mexican citizens in U.S. shelters, and we're all trying to figure out how do we get aid on either sides of the border, and the roads are damaged, and power's out, and you know there's so many different issues. Well, after we had resolved so many of those things just through trial and error, you know, by fire, literally, you know, doing what we had to do just to make it all work. Um, I said, how about if we sit down and look at what happened within an academic environment and we go through literally step by step, minute by minute, what can we do to make a difference here? What are the best practices? What are the lessons learned? And where are the areas that perhaps I need to say, you know, as, as the exercise director, stop, we're going to work through the time here. Let, let's stop and, and work through the issues and Maybe is there someone we need to call that we didn't call? Is there a piece of paper? Is there a coordination? Do we need to relook at some plans to make it more efficient? And what started off for that particular event, um, I didn't even really have a name. Uh, I called it Exercise 24 because I wanted to look at the first 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And Exercise is just a a U.S., uh, primarily United States name, like FEMA uses the name, to describe the simulations and different types of simulations that we do. And uh, from taking the the open mindset from Golden Phoenix and from the academic environment, you know, I was like, well, let's start off with the five main agencies from both sides of the border that we were dealing with from U.S. and Mexico. And then very quickly, the Golden Phoenix community reached in and said, hey, well, how about some of us? You know, and I already knew, well, that means another 125 agencies might get involved. 
And so I'm not in the business of saying no. Like it's kind of like you're running your bar, right. and you know the soccer team walks in, and then the rugby team also has a game. Are you going to say sorry, guys and gals? I'm not going to serve you. No, you figure it out. You figure it out. That's it, it. Right. <laughs> if you have to get on the cell phone and call your friends and say, hey, you know, get in here. I need you to come in early on your shift, or I know you were going to be off today. Get your butt in here. <laughs> you know, we got some people to take care of. Well, imagine that kind of situation, except it grew to a point where we had about 12,500 people from 49 nations. I mean, uh, uh, from, yeah, from 49 nations, if I had the documentation correct on that, all saying we're in. And I mean, it didn't even have the same name. You know, I started seeing emails of X24, you know, that X24 is now involved or X24 is engaged. And I was, and I was asking people, uh, what's X24? And they said, oh, you're in charge of it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, what do do you mean I'm in charge of X24? They go, no, exercise 24. And it was some of the students, some of the master's level students were basically like X24 isn't cool. (laughs) X24. Now that's cool. You know, (laughs) I mean, they made shirts, they made hats. And I was like, okay, as long as we're working together to do the right thing, you know, let's see what we can do to make it happen. And, and like anything, you know, it's kind of like if you're running a bar, you know, you're managing a bar, you are not doing everything, you know, it, your success does not live in a vacuum. But the, uh, the bartender does need to be in charge. I'll just tell this story quick before I forget, because, uh, during, uh, San Antonio cocktail week, somebody said, I forget if it was during, I think it was during a class. Yeah, it was, it was during the uh, dive bar class. And uh, they said, uh, w- when you walk into a, a good a bar that has a good bartender behind it, you walk in there and you know somebody's in charge and you know it's not you <laughs> as the guest. You know? <laughs> as the right, guest, right. you know it's not you. It's the bartender's in charge of what's going on here. And that's there's other words for it, commanding your bar. Or, no, but, I, I totally get it. You have a command presence where what you want goes. And... Um, but my management style has always been, um, I have a particular mission vision that I want. And I want everyone involved to use that brilliance and creativity that they bring to the table. Hmm. Like, I'm not going to tell a fire chief how to fight a fire. I'm not going to tell the police officer, you know, how to manage their safety and security. You know, right. however, I will set a right and left boundary. And, you know, this is our sandbox. Don't throw sand. You know, and if someone starts throwing sand, well, then I'll step in and I will be more uh, authoritarian and, you know, more manage, uh, managing with hands on. Right. Um, however, that's always the last, you know, last resort is for me. I would rather say, you know, again, look at that. If you have a situation where you have two people at your bar that are arguing frequently, it's because there's a miscommunication where someone said something that the other didn't quite understand. They might have taken it wrong. You want to step in. Let's resolve this because getting rid of a patron. Wait a minute. You know, wouldn't it be better to make these guys or gals friends and have them stay for the next you know, few hours or come back week after week? You know, that's a smart business plan. Right. You know, kicking somebody out and they're like, oh, I'm never going there again. Yeah, that's sure. terrible. That yeah. makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So if you, yeah, creating relationships inside the bar is, is just great business. You know, when you can introduce, uh, you know, my favorite, I think we talked about this over email, my my favorite thing to do in a bar is when there's two people that are, let's say by themselves or, or there's a guy over here by himself and a couple over here who aren't really talking and not having a good conversation. You're like, Hey, you know, Joe, do you know Bob? You know, and then 
then you can step away. The other good thing about that is like when you're busy and the guy who's sitting there by himself wants to talk to the bartender, <laughs> you, need, right, right. you need to free yourself up so you can go uh, exactly take care of the other people, you know. But uh, that's it's just such a powerful thing to say, hey, Joe, do you know Bob? Like, you know, and, and I always say it in such a way that um, implies that maybe they do, you know, which oh, absolutely. sort of Very smart. somehow – Somehow that really fosters a, 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 um, a, a conversation, you know. Well, you want that sense of connectivity. You want a sense that, you know, you're building bridges between people. And you can build bridges between organizations, teams, or, or nations, you know, just by creating an environment where everyone can kind of collectively decide it's okay to get along. And guess what? You know, one of the very first things you do is where when you say, hey, what are you drinking tonight? You know, and hey, this group down there, they're drinking this too. Come on, slide over. And or, you know, when anytime you create an environment where people feel welcome, they feel a part of it, they feel that it's not only are they accepted, but their participation and just being involved, engaged in what's going on in the bar is almost demanded, yeah, you know, whether yeah. you've got the, the the local band that you're supporting or a cause that, you know, you might be uh, supporting out of your bar or, you know, even if it's a local soccer team that all the tips are going to the kids or something for, for you know, soccer jerseys. Whatever the activity is where you can begin to engage the community and leverage the opportunity space of a hospitality environment, um, when it's already we, we predispose, you know, the, the power of where we collectively decide it is OK to do this here. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's as it should be. People want to go into a bar, feel safe, secure, feel comfortable being themselves, know that they're going to be taken care of. And then that creates an opportunity for a whole lot more. Like all my work um, operated off of uh, Clayton Aldifer's uh, business model. It's uh, ERG, existence, relatedness and growth. OK, this is think of like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs simplified into a business model where you want to make sure, you know, they're warm, they're comfortable and safe. You know, the basic existed existence needs, you know, get them some food, get them something good to drink. Now you're going to be able to have them give them an opportunity to relate to each other. You know, how are they how are you going to do that? Well, there's usually a good game on or there's a music or whatever that thing is or creating an opportunity to, to talk. And now this is where once you get to that point, step out of the way because they have the opportunity to get creative, you know, where who they are begins to come out, that individual personality. And so I did that, you know, with uh, many organizations and many nations in dealing with like after the 2010 exercise, uh, Supreme Allied Commander Europe, they sent a request to my commissioner for customs and asked if I could do the same thing in the Balkans, you know, because the Balkans, you know, has a lot of challenges there. Yeah. And so, you know, I said, I have no power or authority over anyone, but I could bring a lot of amazing people together and we could look at some challenges that impact all of us. And I'm not creative enough to come up with unique events. So I grabbed scientists to come up with fact-based, science-based scenarios for us to explore problems together. Hmm. And the greatest thing out of any of these events that I worked on were the relationships that easily transition from a simulation to actual global disasters in different areas of the world to back to other simulations as we said, hey, now we need to look at this other situation or we need to look at this other form of communication. And when, say, in X24 Europe, it involved over um, 92 nations, you know, 
when you're dealing with uh, 49,000 people from 92 nations, I could honestly say I couldn't name at the time, I couldn't name 92 nations and their capitals. And we're going across 33 different languages. So we had to think, how do we even say, we can't say exercise. The word exercise translates terribly across the world. And so we had to go to the experts to figure out, well, what do we say so people don't think we have a a war of the world scenario that when we're creating fictitious news articles and uh, uh, press reports and mapping of disasters that people don't think it's real, Mm. you know? So, you know, these are this kind of things where it all comes back around to how do we work together, you know? And for me, I found the greatest joy was in that one-on-one opportunity to say, hey, John, this is Sue. Hey, Sue, this is Juan. Hey, Juan, this is uh, Malachi, or this is what, you know, this is where it was the greatest pleasure was seeing those relationships um, and then step out of the way, you know, so that social network can begin to evolve on its own and grow. There's something about a bar, isn't there, where people just, uh, first of all, they let their guard down somewhat, and obviously that has to do a little bit with uh, what they're consuming, but, you know, there's something about it where you, you just feel uh, you feel good about telling the truth, you know, you, you really let your guard down, and uh, you can get along with anybody. You know, I, I, uh, I'll tell you this story, you'll, I think you'll, you'll appreciate it, um, not, not really to do with a bar, but, but with diverse groups of people getting together, and it happened on uh, 9-11, 2001, I was in Manhattan, and um, there was, uh, uh, I was about, uh, I guess, 30, 30 or 40 blocks away, um, but so there's, you know, sirens going off everywhere, there's every emergency vehicle you can imagine is right. rushing downtown, and uh, this gentleman uh, walks, goes out on Fifth Avenue, he was a Hasidic gentleman in the full garb, you know, and right. uh, and and a paramedic is coming down, uh, down Fifth Avenue, lights on and everything. He jumps out in front, starts waving his arms like this, trying to get her to stop, you know, and uh, and she does, which was the first surprising thing that happened. <laughs> and then, right. so uh, I overhear him say, uh, "I'm a doctor," and she goes, and uh, so the lady. Um, Driving the the uh, the paramedic was a, a big uh, African African American woman, and those two groups of people, Afri- the African Americans and the uh, Hasidics, have long had a um, uneasy past, shall we say, in New York City. You sure. Know? And uh, so, he, so he says, "I'm a doctor," and she says, "You getting in, honey, or what?" <laughs> <laughs> so he gets in. The, he gets in the ambulance, and they rush downtown. You know, and it was like, wow, that was fascinating. You know, and that's as it should be. You know, where you see in in the due to the totality of circumstances, the paramedic didn't have questions about well is this guy really a doctor or what should I do with him? It was, wow, this is a skill set. I need this skill set. It's needed now. I know where it's needed to go. He already knows where it needs to go. They have collectively in less than a second had an agreement. I am this. She says, yes, boom, let's go. And they're on their own point, you know, and the more we can do that as a society, the better. And as we look forward to opportunities, you know, there's, you know, I'm going to talk about some of the things that they say, never talk about religion or politics at the bar. Oh, no. But we all know that, you know, we've had some division in the country. And, you know, I think the, we have an opportunity moving forward to find ways to come together 
And I think the bar environment's fantastic. Well, George, to change the subject a little, why is now the time you want to jump into the hospitality industry feet first? Now is the time to get in. And for those who are already the experts in the field like yourself and some others, you know, wow, they can lead that edge for the others to follow. And like I saw um, a podcast of yours on YouTube with uh, Deshaun Zurich. You know, what a genius that guy is. I mean, just he's a genius. You yeah. know, he's, he's, one, he's a rock star. He may not call himself that, but he's a rock star. You know, you've got a guy like that, and he is already aware that there is a vacuum in the skill set of being a good bartender. Mm -hmm. You know, these are things where, um, like my sister in Florida, she's in real estate and does well that way, but she loves being behind the bar when she can, Mm -hmm. you know, she loves the industry. And it's something where, you know, she was one of the first ones to put a bug in my ear. It's like, why don't you get back behind a bar? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know. She goes, look, you know, it's everything you want. You know, you're interacting with the people, you know, it's, uh, there's some good money at it. There's an opportunity to manage this space. There's, you know, you can work with the mission and vision of an owner, you know, because, uh, and so for me, when I, when I thought about it, then I looked into it. Well, where is the country going financially? That is this a good way to go? And okay, there's a vacuum in the skill set. So we need those skills out there. You know, there's an opportunity for the teachers who can step in like yourself and others. And when I look at the USBG, you know, and the information that uh, U.S. Uh, you know, bar, bartenders guild. Yeah. Uh, just for those who don't know it, and I look at you know, okay, bar smart. All right, so there's online education as well as you know, uh, education like there's schools out there that you can go to. So for me, I'm 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 big on the academic side. I want to learn, but I want to learn uh, things that are actionable. Yeah. You know, so I want to, it's one thing to have a background of dumping some ice and doing some cold drinks and, you know, blending a quick margarita and throwing it down. You know, there's a huge difference between that and some of the things like, uh, you know, when, when I was looking at uh, Hey Bartender, I don't know if you've seen that movie, oh, yeah. fantastic movie. Sure. You know, w- when I start looking at these experts in the field that are really taking bartending to a level that, um, I would never even considered without spending some time to look at it, the how, how refined. And it's just beginning to take off at, at looking at all the different creative interests. And it's, it's a global industry. Sure. I mean, sure. well, it, yeah, it's you can a, go anywhere and do it. <laughs> oh, right. It's a skill set that's, that you can travel with. Yeah. And there's another thing a, a couple years ago, um, you know, in law enforcement, you know, these things happen. Uh, someone rolled right when I rolled left while we were shooting, and uh, I lost a considerable amount of my hearing, Ooh. about 30% of my hearing, yeah. And so I wear hearing aids, and what's, uh, you know, we talked about this before, what's one of the major skill sets of a good bartender, it's, you're either going to sink or swim with it, is, you know, lip reading. You ever see a good bartender in yeah, a busy yeah. bar? Oh, yeah. You know, they're <laughs> masters of lip reading. I mean, it, it's really amazing. And it's like, how do you, someone said that across a bar, if there was no one there, I, you know, at the level that they spoke, I probably wouldn't have heard it anyways. And they're like, no, no, they said this, you know, <laughs> and it's great. And again, it goes and, back to the report. And not just lip reading, but other means of nonverbal communication is oh, super important as a bartender. <laughs> yes, yes. And so, you know, a great bartender is a master of these skill sets. And when I see that these people that I think of as masters in their skills and from when I, you know, see them on the internet or, or, you know, follow some of their podcasts, they all have a way of talking like they're just getting started, you know, that they're just scratching the surface of what they can know. And, 
uh, they're so excited when someone steps in and says, no, I've discovered this new way. And, you know, look at these homegrown well, that, breweries. That's, and what, what, you'll doing. that's and, what you'll find in this, in this industry is um, n- nobody claims to know everything and everybody, you know, like your email signature says, always be learning. And that's, that's exactly how uh, everybody that I've ever run into feels about it in, the, in this industry, you know. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's exciting. You know, so here's an industry that has a vacuum. You know, it has a skill set vacuum. We need to get people in there. Yet now's a time with a just this massive amount of information that's out there. And for me, when I think of information and on what's out there to learn, um, and I would also caution anybody who would hear something like this, where, you know, even in academic circles, when I would work with a master's level student and someone would say, oh, yeah, I'm learning this great stuff about police and fire and all this. It's like, yeah, but your watch commander, your precinct commander, your fire chief or whatever may have a different way. So think of this as just a beginning. Sure. You know, so if you have, you know, say I want to have a real solid foundation about, you know, say 100 or 200 drinks that I have, you know, a base memorized. But just because I have it memorized, what if someone doesn't like one type of bitters and they prefer another type of bitters or, you know, and even I'm talking about even if you're going to an old fashioned, yeah. you know, where oh, yeah. some where one group says if you're not using, you know, um, roses, you know, you're, you're crazy, you know, and then someone else like, well, wait a minute, we use organics, freshly squeezed lime juice here, sure, you know, sure. and, and, and it's like, OK, well, this is, again, a part of the mission vision. And I want to step back into the bar environment with enough of a foundation that I can pay attention to that mission vision where I'm not scrambling to learn so many of the basics where then I'm polishing and adjusting and changing to the way that a manager or an owner or, you know, a company wants to run their business. Yeah. And and it's a faster way. It's weird. The, there's such a range, you know, between the highest end bars where everything's specified to the, you know, to the right eighth of an ounce uh, and, you know, what type of ice we're going to use and what type of glass goes with, with whatever. And then to the other side of the spectrum where they're like, they'll hire you and it's like, oh, you're a bartender? Okay, here you go. This is where the cooler is. This is where this is. And you're on tonight, you know? <laughs> right. It's like, and- you know, so I, I can't tell you how many bars I've worked in. I'm like, aren't you even going to tell me like what the house pour is? Like how much am I supposed to be putting in that Jack and Coke? You know, how much, right. how is this much a five Jack- count? Is that a six <laughs> count? What, what, what are we dealing with here? Right. <laughs> like, is he, I mean, but you know, if you're not going to tell me, uh, I guess I'll, I'll do it to whatever suits me personally, you know, I mean, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's not the way to run a bar. That's for sure. But, well, like I've learned, you can learn just as much from a bad leader as a good leader, yeah, I guess you know, so. you can learn what you're, you don't want to do as well as, you know, it's like, okay, uh, I'm going to learn what I can here, but then I know I'm going to move on. Or you can say, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to communicate with the head bartender or the manager and say, how do you want it? I'm going to, you know, this is the way I know to do it. If there's a better way, let me know and I will do that. I mean, there's there's ways to communicate it. And, you know, again, with a mobile skill set like bartending, you know, you can go from place to place. Like I went on, let's see, Indeed.com and Glassdoor.com and Monster.com. There's so many different sites. You can go in and put an area and whatever type of job you're interested in and get alerts to your email account. Sure. 
And when it comes to bartending, there is no shortage Mm -hmm. of spots, you know, because, you know, not everybody works out well with everybody. You know, I wish more of the people that worked for me over the years went into the hospitality industry before they came and worked for me because it's so hard to teach people skills. I can teach them. I've always said the hospitality industry is just a, a great base to have uh, for whatever business you want to be in. I mean, there's, you know, in, in the hospitality world, we call our customers guests, right? So oh, why, why not? Everybody should think that way. You know, when you, when you go to a doctor's office, they call you a patient and they make you sit there for 45 minutes past your appointment without, you know, without even an indication of how long it might be before they, the doctor will see you now. You know, it's like, I'm, aren't I the the customer here, the, you know, why, why are you treating me this way? You know, and, uh, any, just any industry. I mean, you know, going to buy a car, a new car is one of my least favorite things to do in the world, you know, and I wish those people had, uh, spent, you know, even six months behind a bar, you know, learning how to treat pre- people properly. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, absolutely. But think about the businesses that you keep going back to. You go back to the businesses that treat you well. You go back to the places where, you know, you walk in and they, and they say, hi, Brian, guess mm-hmm. what? You know, that is a money making tool. I don't even if you don't like people, you know, if, if folks who want to make money, if that's what you want to do, learn to be a people person. And guess what? Life's a lot nicer. Yeah. Life's a lot, <laughs> lot better. You know, I mean, it's the same. You know, you have the option of going to different bars, pubs, dance clubs and the ones where you feel good. You're going to go back to. You know, so if you're the owner or manager, you could, you know, mandate that, yeah. you know, and, and for someone who's in other areas of business, anywhere that you're interacting with people, which is just about everywhere anymore, unless you're hiding somewhere in the IT industry, writing code all day, you know, it's, you're going to be interacting with people. You can say, all right, if I have the option of looking at three different people, all who have the same degrees and one has been in the hospitality industry you know, for a number of years and they have a reference that I can call and they go, wow, yeah, Brian was awesome. You know, he worked so well. I was so sad to see him go. Well, guess what? Brian's getting the job. Right, right. You know, I mean, that's the way to go forward. So like whether you're a young person looking for a job or you're someone like in in my case where, you know, I want to get back into the hospitality business because here's a growing, evolving field with a fantastic opportunity for for, uh, the kind of interaction that I love to do that I recommend do it, you know? And if someone says, well, I don't know all the things I need to know, guess what? There's people who are teaching it, yeah. you know? And there's people who are great at teaching it. But a lot of the bar, a lot of the bar managers too, or have, if you have that proper attitude and you have the hospitality side, a lot of them will tell you, you know, I can teach you how to make drinks. And in fact, a lot of them want to teach you how to make, teach you how to make drinks their way rather than hire somebody sure. who has all these preconceived notions about how to, you know, well, I'm like you were talking earlier this, well, this is how I make my old fashioned, you know, I don't know about you guys, but this is the right way is for, and you know, that, right. that might be the, you know, the muddled orange and the disgusting old cherry and everything, which is not the way right. we do it anymore you know that's the way it was done in the 80s but uh we're going back to that old style one which doesn't have that gloppy mess of uh sweetness in the bottom of your old-fashioned so you know um it's funny you'll see uh i think you'll see when you go out looking for jobs as a bartender there they won't have a problem that you haven't um you know that you don't have this huge repertoire of drinks already in your brain you know they can they can teach you that part and 
And like I said, a lot of them would prefer that. <laughs> but if you have that hospitality gene, that's the hard part, the hard or maybe impossible part to teach. Well, a lot of that is putting your ego at the door. You know, you have to be comfortable enough with yourself that you don't need to, uh, you don't really need to prove anything. You know, it, it's like, say, if you're, uh, something I learned in emergency management is uh, very quickly, there's someone else who knows how to do whatever the thing is better. You know, I got rid of, like, in working with uh, some of our incredible people with our European Command and Northern Command and Pacific Command uh, in the military, I got over real fast saying, I want this truck to go from X to Y. You know, instead it's, what do you want moved? Well, I wanted to put something in the back of a truck. And, no, no, no. What do you want moved? I want these soccer balls to go to these schools in Helmand Province, Afghanistan. And they'd say, okay, when do you want it there by? That's it. And then it gets there. Okay. You know, the, <laughs> that's, you know, get rid of the howl. And I think if, if someone comes into a business, they have a general idea, good concept, um, you know, with some of the training that's out there or go into a place that will train but yet understand that it may be completely different than what they thought. And it may be completely different from one bar to the next. And that's fine. That's their way. That's their mission vision. That's why each bar has a personality. There's a feeling to it. It's almost like a person that you're stepping into being a part of. And you can either be a part of it or you can go somewhere else. And I say, wherever you are, spend some time there. You know, learn the system, get involved, you know, be the person that if you do choose to leave, whatever the company is that you're with, that you leave, you know, with all the bridges in place, you know, sure. where you have, yeah, where you have the good references and things where if someone says, yeah, you know, did you know Hazel? She's over at, you know, XYZ bar now. Oh yeah, I know Hazel. She was great. We were so sorry to see her go, but I really hope she's happy and doing good things over there. I might go over there and have a drink later after shift. You know, that's the way you want to go about life. And in the hospitality industry, you know, you can burn bridges because guess what? Folks talk. It's like, you know, uh, at employees only where they say all the, you know, everybody in the business kind of gets together. And if you're not there before five, you're not getting a seat at the bar. Well, anytime there's a, there's certain businesses where people get together and they talk and they share. And guess what? That's faster than the Internet. You know, and it's a lot more powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll see that. I mean, the uh, the sort of upscale bar community, if you want to call it that, in New York is everybody knows everybody. <laughs> and it's really easy to make a mistake uh, where you can get um shunned or you know uh, you know it's 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 easy in this world to uh to to uh screw up <laughs> but but it's also in you know it's easy to um make a great name for yourself and just make great friends and everybody will support you i i use this uh you, you keep talking about the education side of things and uh i came up with this word i was talking to somebody during again during san antonio cocktail conference and uh i i just came up with this word like collective education, you know, because everybody sure. wants to learn from everybody else. And, uh, it, it's almost like the cloud, you know, all the knowledge is out there of and course. all the old, everybody in this community is willing to share it with you. You know, it's, it's a great, it's a great thing really. And I think going into, um, you know, everybody makes mistakes. I can't count the number of mistakes that I made in working with so many cross languages and cultures where I would do something that was horribly offensive to different people. And I found the easiest thing to do is say, yep, I did it. I'm sorry. And what can we do to fix that? Mm. 
you know, so it's not just, okay, here's a problem. Let's like, let's work together to build a solution. And, and, and I would see that between different cultures and different groups when they would work together, especially, you know, like say, if you take the Balkans where there's people that have been killing each other for thousands of years, you know, you need to create environments and opportunities where they can think a little bit differently, kind of reframe their experience a little bit. And when you look at the, uh, the bar scene, you know, just like anything else, what happens if you have a bad day and you did some, you just messed up? I mean, guess what? You say, I screwed up. And if word gets out that you screwed up, let the word get out that you're doing your best to own up to it. Yep, that was me. I did it. And now let's fix it and move on. And you will have a great reputation as the person who doesn't have the ego, who says, nope, nope, I did nothing wrong. It was all someone else. Well, guess what? You know, it takes more than one to fight. Sometimes it takes more than one to make up. And if you do everything you can, that's all you can do. You know, and people will know you as being that guy, that gal. And that is worth gold in, in any business. It sure is. It sure is. Well, this has just been a fascinating conversation. And I, uh, let's stay in touch for sure. And, and we'll uh, do everything we can to, to help further your bartending career, your brand new bartending career. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunities in the future. And I mean, there's so many different ways, you know, different schools of knowledge. And as I, as I move forward, um, you know, as we talked about, um, you know, where I may move to and um, there's groups like the Bar- you know, U.S. Bartending Guild that uh, I highly recommend people join because, you know, here's this immediate community that you said, you know what, I'm a part of it. Let's get together. Let's figure out where I fit in. And, you know, then from there, the sky's the limit. It really is. I'll tell you, I, I can't recommend the USBG enough. Uh, when I, I was down in San Antonio. It was the first time I'd ever been in Texas in my life. And uh, a couple of listeners to the show from USBG San Antonio reached out and uh, said, hey, we'd like to meet you and all, you know. And then they were like, oh, join our private Facebook book group and they were going back and forth. So I had friends there before I even got there, you know, and you'll find that to any city that you're going to. Um, You'll have friends in the USBG uh, wherever you go. Well, I really appreciate this time, Brian, and I appreciate your patience in getting on, you know, to uh, have a chance to talk to you here. (laughs) All right. That was great, George. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Take care. Cheers. Interesting guy, right? Well, George wrote a really great guest blog post for Bartender Journey. It starts like this, quote, Drinking establishments have long had a history of influencing communities, enacting change, and even influencing history, end quote. Get on over to bartenderjourney.net slash blog to read this really fascinating article. I think you'll really enjoy it. Stand by for our toast. We do a toast every week at the very end, and it's from our book of the week, Toasts, over 1,500 of the best toasts, sentiments, blessings, and graces compiled by Paul Dixon. But first, I just want to remind you, I'll be at Tales of the Cocktail this year. How about you? Are you going down there? Please let me know if you will be, and uh, maybe we can get together to share a cocktail. And if you will be there, I hope you'll attend the seminar, Hot Mike, Podcasting for Bartenders. I'll be on the panel for that seminar. It'll be moderated by Kara Newman, and on the panel with me will be Souther Teague and Damon Bolte of The Speakeasy, which is an internet radio show slash podcast that you should definitely check out if you haven't already. Souther is also the president of our local New York City chapter of the United States Bartenders Guild, and a all-around good guy. Next time on the Bartender Journey podcast, we are planning on a Kentucky Derby episode with Woodford Reserve brand ambassador, Walter Easterbrook. 
Woodford Reserve is the official bourbon of the Kentucky Derby, and I expect we'll be mixing up some mint juleps. Last year for Derby, I had to batch up juleps for about 200 people for an off-site party, which I actually didn't bartend at. I had to batch the part, uh, batch the cocktails and send another bartender over to do that event. Um, but uh, that was an interesting experience, and I'll be definitely talking to Walter about that. All right, let's have a toast. And I found it in our toast book, but it's quoted from an old Steve Martin character. He played Cyrano in a movie called Roxanne. He said, I would rather be with the people in this room than with the finest people in the world. Cheers. We'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast.